Welcome to Fintech Insider Insights. I'm Jason Bates, your host, live from Amsterdam. Woo, Amsterdam. Yeah. I'm here today with my co-host, Simon Taylor. Hello. And uh, some great guests from different sides of banking, from the established guys and the, the new players in the Netherlands banking scene. We've got, and this is where it gets difficult, Frederick de Stavingor. Yes, that's me. You and actually recognised my yeah, pronunciation. Yeah, you pronounced it really well. <laughs> From ABN AMRO. Yes. Uh, we've got uh, Roland Boyen. Yeah, correct. That's Not me. Great. From ABN AMRO as well. And we've got Ali from Bunk. Thanks for having me. Great to have you. So I figured we'd start off today by, by playing out a little scenario. Uh, I'm a, a new fintech fresh to Amsterdam. You know, we've had Brexit and that's it. I'm off. I'm leaving. I'm bringing my team over. Like, what do I need to know about financial services in the Netherlands? Can we start off basically with, you know, where do we stand in, in, in financial services? I, I think we have uh, in a setting in the Netherlands where we have uh, a few large banks and a small, uh, few other small ones, some newcomers like uh, Ali is, uh, is, uh, is doing. And I think that in the Netherlands, the situation is that the banks are compared to the rest of the world, if you compare it to the US, the UK, are themselves already pretty far, in my opinion, with their uh, mobile and digital offerings. It's an interesting point, Roland. Um, I guess I'm interested to hear from Ali's perspective as well. W would you challenge that? Or would you agree? Well, um, I look at things from different perspectives. I figure if you started a new company, you started it with a vision, with an idea on how to be different, how to be better. And it doesn't matter whether you're in the UK or the Netherlands or the US. When you come here, Just do your thing, stay true to yourself and don't mind the big banks or the small banks. They're going to do what they're going to do anyway. So, so Frederick, you lead the uh, uh, Tiki, uh, a brand new app, I guess, that comes from ABN AMRO. Yeah, correct. Um, which almost sits between ABN AMRO proper and the new fintechs. Uh, how do you see things? Yeah, so um, I think that's quite an interesting uh, thing. So within uh, with Tiki, ABN AMRO really made it possible to have uh, uh, to put a small team outside or basically outside of ABN AMRO to be able to innovate, to be able to innovate without too many of the hassles of a big corporate bank. And I think uh, with Tiki, we have now made it possible to also grow, show really good growth uh, figures. Um, and I think a big reason for that is that we were able to have this um, this autonomy and really feel the market. And and so I think really good from ABN AMRO that they allowed us to do this. Mm. So I think at least in London, we've seen this move from uh, from companies starting that are competitive to the banks to to fintech starting that are that augment what banks are delivering. Is that what you see here? I guess Ali, you're a competitor. It depends on how you look at things. Um, the reason why we have a banking permit is not because we want to be a bank in the old sense per se, but because we want to be independent from the old guys so we can do things the way we think uh, they should be done. And then sometimes we have great ideas and sometimes they get copied by the old banks and they call it ticky. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it, uh, it really depends. Uh, part of our uh, experience is augmented. Uh, part of it is a replacement. But I think what we're really aiming for is for people to have a totally different experience and to be of true value into their day-to-day -day lives. That's our uh, raison d'être. So is that your proposition for people who don't know Bunk? Yeah. Like, 
give us a little bit of uh, a couple of minutes background. So I guess the easiest way to explain this is, uh, you know, you deal with money every day, uh, either by spending it or working to earn it. And I guess people are getting more and more aware of that it's important what happens with your money, first of all. And second of all, that uh, money stays, you know, liquid and in the background as much as possible. So you can do with it as you please. You know, you can do with it as you want, the way you want it and with whomever you want it. And I think Punk has been founded. It's a bit of an abstract notion, but I'll uh, get more concrete in a second. Punk has been founded to really enhance people's lives so that they can do whatever they want. So for instance, uh, here in the Netherlands, um, in the past, if you wanted to do transactions with your banking system, you needed to have an external security token, which is super annoying, of course. I mean, in this day and age, you have a mobile phone. A mobile phone is perfectly capable of delivering secure channels. Um, and we went out and we introduced a world first by introducing face recognition uh, on a mobile phone. Uh, in a banking uh, platform. I don't want to make it bigger than it is. But um, so we were the first to apply it in the whole world to a banking platform. So you didn't need an extra uh, digital token uh, to be carried with you at all times. I mean, this is just one of the many, many examples of how we went out to make sure that you as an end user get the best possible experience you can. So... Is this banking reinvented? Is the business model different from the big boys? Or is Definitely. it just, oh, so how does Definitely. the business model differ? So we fundamentally uh, uh, changed our look on banking. Um, whereas traditional banking basically tries to attract as much capital as possible and then tries to lend out as much as possible, leveraging that capital uh, with all the risks implied. We try to provide a service so our main income is service fees and not uh, all the nasty crap perhaps we could do with uh, attracted capital. Um, and this is a fundamental different point. To explain it in maybe clearer terms is what traditional banks do is comparable to second-hand car salesmen. Um, <laughs> they attract cars, aka money, at the cheapest possible rate. And then they brush it up and figure out the story around it, that it was from an old grandma who never used it and it was always inside. And then they try to sell it at the highest possible price. Whereas our model is more comparable to services like Netflix or Spotify, where we just try to deliver you what you like to have in the format you like to have it. And uh, our income um, increases as we get more and more users who use the service more and more. So our uh, business model is more aligned with the happiness, in my view, with the happiness of the end user instead of just maximizing trade. Mm-hmm. And for, for me, that's very interesting to see the, the change of a business model like that. And I, I admire the shot that Ali's taking in the industry to do it on a different way. Uh, I would oppose against the vision that it is like uh, the way how banks have been earning money uh, for years. It's like kind of bad business. I think it's very healthy to bring together uh, demand and supply of money and play a facilitating role in uh, in that. And on the same time, make it easy, supplying all those services, making the life of our customers uh, way more easy. 
I'm and not that, opposing uh, that it's wrong, by the okay, way. Okay, it's, okay, it's uh, fine. Okay. My point is that all the banks... The, the second-hand cars, man, to put me <laughs> off track then. then uh. Well, there are a good second-hand <laughs> cars. Okay, that's true, that's true, that's true. Right? That's true. I, I bought some. Uh, yeah, some, but, some um, so the point I'm making is that it's all uh, uniform now. Yeah. There is no choice. So for people who think differently, there was no choice until we came along. Yeah. So... Uh, I think it would be best if you guys keep doing what you're doing. Absolutely. Then we can do what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. But um, that, that's true. And I'm very happy that uh, you, you shared a free view that it's no uh, bad business uh, to uh, earn money with, uh, with, uh, with money. And I think that what we also see in the customer interviews we're doing, that actually the, the Dutch, um, they are quite hesitant to pay for every transaction or a thing they do they just want to package and be uh, uh, helping and getting served by uh, by that i'm also um, interested in the learnings we do uh, in uh, both uh, uh, both the companies how we from fintech scene and big banks how we learn and both copy from each other because the, the fun fact of course is that after we introduced tiki on the market that also bunk was able to pay uh, send payment requests via ideal afterwards and that's something i think we were also that's inspired. really not true we, okay we were first yeah we okay. beat you to it by two months you <laughs> guys copied us that's really not true okay that's really not true yeah yeah do uh, do not agree with you okay. um so i'm interested in this idea though that from um, from an ABN perspective with Tiki, you've essentially got something that is different to the main brand. It's it's outside the core. Why did you feel that was important? I think that what both people have said so far, Roland and, uh, and uh, Ali, is that the banks in the Netherlands, we've got a few of them, and a lot of people are still with the bank where their parents were for, uh, at, right? So you joined that bank, and maybe you switch once or twice, and that's it. And we thought that was also a little bit like we didn't want to do that. We wanted to build something that was for everyone to be, to be able to use. So what we said with uh, Tiki is that uh, it should be usable for ABN Emerald customers, but it should also be usable for ING, for Rabo, and also for Bunker customers, which uh, luckily we see quite a lot of Bunker customers uh, within Tiki. So that's also uh, quite cool. And with that feature, uh, we, we went out to the market and made it for everyone. And uh, what we see now actually is that more than half of our user base, of the Tiki user base, is non-ABN EMRO, which is quite interesting, right? So I, I don't think that there are comparable uh, initiatives that find a user base that is so much of, uh, of none of, the, of your own brand. And I think that's interesting. So what would I do if I'm a Tiki user? I'm downloaded Tiki and I can use it to hold money, pay people? What's what's the call? No, so, yeah, so Tiki is about uh, making a payment request, right? So what we saw was the, 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 the initial problem is that we all, we don't have cash in our in our pockets anymore, right? So if I have to pay you back because we had drinks yesterday or whatever, or uh, bought a gift, um, then I should be able to, or I would either not have the cash and send you uh, the money through on pay you on your on your bank account right with your iban the thing is i don't know my own iban number let alone your iban number i have no idea right yeah so um, knowing bank account numbers of myself and my friends it's like knowing people's phone numbers these days people don't know that stuff so exactly. creating a way to know what somebody exactly and so we've created this way uh, where you don't really know have to know that so with tiki you request the money back through whatsapp so you send an app to your friend or to a group of friends, no matter what bank they are, they don't have to have the app. So me as the, the app holder, I'm the only one, and I will send you a request. 
and it's a link and you click on it and pay through your own regular banking app being it bunk ing abn or whatever so we've seen this a lot in other markets we've seen in the us there's venmo um famously wechat is is very popular for that in china um we've seen it with uh the uk it hasn't really taken off barclays tried it with ping it but it's interesting that barclays public ping it numbers have around about 13 percent um non-barclays customers to barclays customers yeah so 50 percent non-abn is is pretty interesting indeed and i guess it's building a relationship with a client base that you didn't have before so how do you then start to think about what role we play in future if if you've got this kind of tiki is out there it's managing payments for people is that the only step do you stop there or is are you thinking about this is actually something to build a future of finance around maybe to take uh, one step back because the reason why we chose a different brand also like tiki which did have some discussions within our bank. It, we are still a large corporate and uh, this is still getting used to the new world. It takes a lot of talking also to uh, to people. But what, what also inspired me personally, uh, uh, choosing a different brand name, was a visit I made to uh, Schiphol. Uh, we have the uh, uh, foreign currency uh, shops within Schiphol. And so all branded like ABNMRO. And when I did that visit over there, I had a talk with the shop manager. He said, yeah, I, I come across a lot of uh, uh, customers of, of ING, of Rabobank that actually are quite hesitant to go there. W- would you serve me? Because yeah, I'm not a client of ABNMRO. And it, it's kind of hesitant. So what we, what we did is how can we attract with a different brand, also maybe in different segmentation uh, with a name, but support it with the trust and the power of ABNMRO. And I think this is very key now. So I guess peer-to-peer, you know, we're we're seeing it as an entry point, a beachhead, and also a way of acquiring customers yeah. because there is a way then of making those payment requests for customers that aren't you. Has this been a successful sort of acquisition strategy for Bunk? Um, for the people that use it, yes. So even from the very start of Bunk, when we launched a year and a half ago, we empowered users uh, to both send as well as receive money from non-bank users by just using phone book entries in their phone. So basically, if you use bank, you never have to bother with using iBands again. You just, you know, you have the phone contacts anyway, and you can use those to send and receive money. And what we notice is that, uh, again, this experience is fundamental uh, to people because once you start using it, you just like it. And uh, I know from a couple of your colleagues, by the way, who reached out, that even within ABN Arrow, there are a lot of people who are huge fans of the way we do things, which we think is super cool, right? Um, and I think the only way to totally grasp uh, Bunk is by just giving it a try. Yeah. I mean, just use it for a couple of days. Use it the way it's meant to. Um, as a convergence of social and money together, uh, invite some friends to use it, have a connected account, a group account that you can share to go to a night out or to a holiday, uh, send and receive some money and just see how it feels, how you like it. Um, I think one of the first users of Bank, and I was even impressed when I had some uh, questions uh, uh, sending words to the in, uh, in-app uh, chat of, uh, of Bank, that I actually had the chance to speak to Ali, I think during nighttime, where he actually personally helped me. That was really impressive for me and made an uh, You're very experience. welcome. Yeah. 
You're very <laughs> that's, welcome. Uh, that's, uh, that's cool. And I think that's also uh, the fact that there's an, an, a market can be created for different propositions for different people. Uh, but I, on the same thing, uh, I think that... Um, uh, we are able as banks to create those kind of propositions ourselves too. I guess peer-to-peer though is about to become very competitive. Apple at their recent WWDC are talking about building it into iOS. Uh, you've got Facebook that obviously want people to use Facebook Messenger in order to send money. Does, do payments and peer-to-peer really belong inside bank or banking apps or do they belong in social media channels or separately? Um, well, the interesting thing is that uh, we've been looking at, uh, for example, at, at Facebook Messenger, where it is already, uh, you're already able to, to build in stuff like that. And, um, and Facebook will, and in the US already has uh, this opportunity or this, this possibility to do that. And, and what I think is that what we've been trying to create with Tiki is a, a, a preference uh, app and brand that people really like to use because it's really that simple and that easy to use. Um, so that what we actually see is a change of behavior. So what we, what we used to see is that, for example, if you would go out to dinner and one of us would pay the bill, then the next day or the day after, you would ask your group if you wanted the money back, hey, please send me, uh, uh, pay me back, uh, whatever amount. And what we see is that Tiki is that simple that they, people use it at, on the same night or the same evening. So that also makes it possible if you have such a simple app to be able to use it next to your banking app um, and maybe even next to your social uh, network. So peer-to-peer is one area. My fantasy Amsterdam startup is definitely not getting into that, that shark-infested waters as it seems there's a lot of competition already out there. What are the other big trends? What are the other unmet needs that, you know, that Bunk and other, other companies are starting to, uh, to address? So I guess uh, what Bunk's trying to do is to provide an alternative uh, on many different levels, on an experience level, on a business model level, on an ethical level. Um, and personally, I, I believe that there should always be freedom of choice. Um, and in my mind, before Bunk, we had a lot of different banks in the Netherlands, whether it was ING or ABN or Rabo, but they were basically the same bank. They just had a different label, they had a slightly different proposition, and indeed, depending on wherever your parents were banking, you would end up banking there. And nobody gave a crap. With Bunk, you, for the first time, you actually have a proper choice, not just in choosing for a different brand, but also for choosing a totally different experience and a totally different company. So what we see is that people uh, with different needs uh, obviously require different solutions. And depending on your needs, um, you might be best off with Bunk or you might be best off with ABN or ING or, you know, ICBC or Barclays or whatever. Uh, but the freedom of choice thing is, I think, really important. So I guess that pushes the market forward. Is ABN going to stay the same as all of the other banks? Uh, how are you separate to Tiki and other, other initiatives like that pushing forward the main brand? Is, is that a, uh, something you're aiming to do? Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I think that uh, within the main brand of ABN AMRO, I'm uh, rather proud that in the whole strategy of ABN AMRO, that innovation is a very important theme. 
uh, we're innovating in all kind of different subjects in different horizons. So we're spending a lot of time in blockchain. We're spending a lot of time in AI initiatives to prepare ourselves for those things that uh, are coming towards us. And I think those initiatives are really interesting. Uh, and we also cooperate uh, with fintech companies, for instance, with Tink, a Swedish uh, fintech uh, company. We saw a clear need within our customer base to get more insight in their finances. Basically, the transaction overview, which all main banks are showing, is really old, like, like uh, 300, 400 years old you see the same statements uh, and the real need of the customer is a, a insight the reason why you go to that statement is to get more clarity in how you're spending how your finance is doing and we stand for the choice ourselves and as bank we used to have the tendency to build stuff ourselves uh, and sometimes that is the best decision and sometimes you're way better off to look to other parties in the market and to see whether you can combine your efforts together. And that's what we did with Tink in, in Sweden. We introduced a new PFM app, Grip, in the Netherlands, uh, which uh, a large part of our customer base is already using. And that's the reason why we also invested in Tink in, uh, in Sweden. So do you see the future uh and especially if I'm one of Jason's imaginary startup coming to, to the Netherlands as being fintechs serving the incumbents or fintechs competing with the incumbents or is there room for both here and, and where should I be optimizing if I'm, I'm this startup coming to the market and, and why would I choose um, say the Netherlands over um, Luxembourg which has a big initiative now and Copenhagen which has a lot of fintech and there are lots of other markets now to, maybe maybe to go to the first part of your question what I uh, uh, personally see is that a lot of fintech companies start with uh, B2C propositions and a lot of them actually find out that it's quite hard to build up a customer base finding their business model but in the meantime have built great products and I'm definitely sure that some of uh, the fintechs are going to succeed in their uh, B2C propositions. But the majority is also shifting to, to B2B propositions uh, in that, uh, that aspect. That's what I see, at least. That's, that's interesting from a Fedor, uh, Moven. You know, we've seen, I guess, across the world, uh, a lot of B2C propositions that then do become service providers. Is that second place, Ali? No, I don't think so. I mean, we all do uh, what we have to do to become, um, you know, to make a brand uh, uh, viable and successful. To answer your question from a bank perspective, bank has always been about trying to achieve the impossible, about reaching for the crazy stuff. I mean, there's been a book uh, written about us and, and, and there you can read a bit about our history and about the coming up, uh, about of bank and I guess when we started right from the bat, we wanted to have our own full banking license, which is something that many deemed impossible. And I can tell you it was indeed very difficult. <laughs> um, and it still is yeah. very difficult. But we didn't care because we were convinced that to be able to uh, supply our users that experience, we need to have a banking license. And indeed, today we see that the business-to-consumer proposition is very difficult, extremely difficult. And we do see that we have a great product that many banks are interested in for various reasons. Uh, and we also see that we have a very good business-to-business -business proposition uh, that many can, can use on. But 
we're not just here to create a viable company. We're here to make an impact on the world. And so from a bank perspective, for as long as we can, we will keep going after the seemingly impossible. So we, we will try to stick to it and create a great consumer brand. That's great. And I, I believe you can only... Uh, achieve that such a goal with a sustainable business model in the end because every uh, vision and, and goal you have in life you can only do that in long term if you have a sustainable business model in, uh, in uh, indeed so I agree with you and just before we move on let's throw to our sponsors the Financial Times guides you through complex issues in divisive times don't settle for black and white when you need the full perspective turn to ft.com become a subscriber today Search for FT subscription. Critical mass. That's what turns the smallest ventures into life-changing forces. Reach critical mass by joining Temenos Open Marketplace for fintechs. Opening up access to 2,000 of the world's largest financial institutions. Don't just take our word for it. Temenos Marketplace has just won Reader's Choice Best Emerging Innovative Technology Product and Service at the 2016 Banking Technology Awards. Join Temenos now. We make the money go round. Let's be honest. Most digital banking experiences just aren't that amazing. Learn how more than 180 banks worldwide, including Barclays, Deutsche Bank, and BBVA, innovate faster with Strands as their trusted fintech partner. To find out more, visit strands.com today. And thanks to our sponsors. So how does the business model work at the moment in, in the Netherlands? It, do uh, consumers pay for banking? Do small businesses pay for banking? How does it work? In the Netherlands, uh, people pay for their bank. Many of them don't know that they pay. Even more don't know what they pay. Um, basically, everybody is a bit unknowing about what's going on with their finances, where their money is being put, how safe it is, what's being done with and to their money, how much they're paying for it, etc., etc. And I think that's a logical consequence of there not being a true choice for many decades. Uh, but what we are slowly starting to see is that as people become aware of that there is a new kid on the block and things can be different, you know, you can have a customer service that actually helps you out people become more aware of what's happening and uh bunk is not set out to be the cheap kit on the block not at all bunk is set out to be different better be transparent and all in all combined to give you a great experience and i think if we look at netflix or spotify or many other services that's a strategy that will take a long time to achieve but in the end, providing true benefit and value of end users is always a winning proposition. So when I think about um, Netflix and Spotify and even some of the other um, models out there, those are businesses that have, you could argue, are platforms, but haven't really invited the outside world in in the API sense um, as a platform. And yet in the industry at the moment, there's a really big discussion about PSD2 and open banking and, and, and that sort of space. Do you see that those two forces kind of oppose each other, becoming a consumer platform with a consumer-grade experience, but inviting people into that? Is, is there a fundamental challenge of being able to control that experience? Um, I don't believe so, because uh, Facebook could... Uh, be described as a platform as well and they have an API so I think the core product should be really good and be of really uh, real good value 
uh, and then an API is only a logical consequence of that. Now, PSD2 is a different uh, discussion altogether. I, I, yeah, I don't know. What about you guys, uh, Roland Frederick? Um, where do you stand on the, on the platform business model? If you're seeing a world with more startups coming around you and you're already starting to partner with them, is that something you're embracing or and do you see risks as well? I think the world is uh, pretty unpredictable. Uh, and I believe that there's a market and, an, uh, and a place for your having your own distribution channels via your own digital channels like mobile, internet, but also make use and co-create with other companies, uh, having other great customer experience and being able to integrate those with others, just as we need to integrate uh, those great products and services to make our own customer experience on our own platforms better. And that's the exact same thing we are doing on the Beyond Banking Days uh, today. Uh, next to a great conference we're having uh, today, there's also a hackathon uh, starting uh, this uh, this evening uh, with multiple companies, uh, including ourselves, sharing our own API platform to a group of developers, uh, unleashing themselves on the APIs and creating great customer experiences. So there's something about the hackathon things in banking that there's a part of it I really respect and there's a part of it that really annoys me. So, So the part of it I really respect is the need to change culture inside banks and the opportunity for people in financial services to really expose themselves to great ideas and to learn from financial services. The part of it that bothers me is it's always something that is a first step, but I very rarely see the second and third step. How do you guys think about what those right second and third steps are and, and what are you doing to set yourself up for, for success with those? Because I think it's it's great to have the hackathon, but what do you put behind that? I, I wonder if you thought about that. No, and I, I think that the uh, hackathon concept uh, for me, it's uh, also a cultural aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a move that we as uh, incumbents need to make getting way better at our execution power. And a hackathon is is a token for me with uh, 48 hours of uh, little sleep, just coding from ID towards a product, uh, pizzas uh, and uh, Coke, and then the the drink, not the other stuff. uh, We'll be be cheating in such a kind of context. Um, uh, But um, at the last hackathon we run, uh, one of the IDs we uh, created over there actually became one of our new APIs that is called GreatFix, which uh, based on the uh, long experience we have as banks being able to very good score the credit ratings uh, of our uh, clients, which we can help other companies with consent of a consumer uh, to be able to use that. And, and that's great. It's actually a product that uh, came out of uh, the, the previous hackathon. So that's really interesting to me. Now we're talking about a real product that people can pick up and use and come to ABN Amro and say, I am a business. I would give credit to consumers. I don't want to have to buy that credit score for credit rating agency. I want something from a bank because you guys do things differently. Yeah. And for a long time, we're good at it. Yeah. Um, so so that to me is a, is a product that makes sense. I'm, I'm glad to, to hear that. I wonder, Ali, what are your thoughts really on, on the hackathon space? I'm sure from your perspective, you've kind of ended up having to do that sort of thing anyway. But um, sort of what do you think about the, the banks doing it as a, as a first step? And then secondly, how do you think about inviting the outside world into bunk and, and kind of working with the developer community outside of your organization? Well, I think uh, what's important to note about Bank is that we, although we have a banking permit, like a full license, we don't see ourselves as banks. We're tech-driven. So we're here to solve in a great way everyday issues people might experience. So 
When you ask me the question about banking, I really can't answer. I don't know how things work in an ordinary bank. I've been in many of them, maybe in all of them in the Netherlands. I don't know, man. I mean, you have two great bankers here. Ask them. Um, from a tech perspective, I think uh, hackathons were really cool three years ago. Many of the really good developers I know, I mean, why waste your time, right? There, there are six hackathons a week. So I think things have evolved there. And what I see around me, at least, is that other stuff has started to uh, count. Things like ethics, making an impact, doing the right thing. Many of my friends who used to work for a company like Shell have started to second-guess their choice. Those who remain have committed themselves to make sure Shell does the proper things. Um, the same is for banking. I mean, developers are people too. Right? Developers are people too, and uh, and I guess developer. I'm a developer myself, by the way, as you can see from uh, the dark spots <laughs> below my eyes. I kind of had a hackathon last uh, 72 hours too, but um, I guess we're all aware of the impact we can make by making the right choices in life and trying to uh, move everything forward. And I guess that's one of the one of the reasons I'm skeptical about hackathons. Because in the worst interpretation, it seems like it's outsourcing innovation. You know, we're going to produce some APIs, some developers are going to come along, and they're going to create the answer to our world. And actually, where I've seen a few years ago, the best hackathons weren't actually about the end result. They were about getting engineers, developers familiar with your APIs so that when they got back to work and got back to the projects that they were in and what they were delivering, um, they understood you probably better than the other competition, therefore used you. So Twilio, Facebook, Dropbox, they just turned up everywhere, put prizes up, suddenly all the engineers all knew how Twilio worked and suddenly they were building it into everything. Yeah, so um, interesting thing is also uh, today at the, uh, and, and, and this weekend uh, uh, on the hackathon, um, we are exposing our the Tiki API for the first time, or APIs actually, plural. And we got a lot of interesting and a lot of enthusiastic responses from a lot of developers uh, wanting to, to, to play around with it and actually also start with it. Um, so we see that kind of enthusiasm, exactly like you're saying, we see that here as well. And obviously we also embrace that, right? So that they can use it and play around with it and have a lot of extra creative ideas that we didn't have so far. And, 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 and use that. And maybe as a second thing is we've been piloting with Transavia. Transavia is uh, one of the airlines in the Netherlands, which has been a really successful pilot so far. And their developers are here as well on the, on the hackathon in the, in the weekend. And they will team up with the Tiki developers to bring, uh, to bring it further. So I think it, it works in a way, um, getting to know the API better, but also uh, hooking up companies together in that way. There's something interesting about payments APIs, especially because uh, if I'm a developer and I want to do something with payments, I'd probably go to Stripe or Braintree. Um, but actually, that pricing model kind of doesn't necessarily work at scale for some businesses and doesn't work as well for some use cases if it's card-based. So to have access to different type of payments, I think, 
does have an element of, of interest to it. And I think it's, it's, it's quite powerful. Uh, but, but I do think Ali's point about what you need to do to attract developers is fundamentally changing. Uh, it's about core message. It's about ethics. But it's, I think it's also about uh, having the community support that's out there. Developers know what it looks like from a distance, whether you get it or you don't, if you get them or you don't. They've seen your GitHub repos. They've, they've found your Slack channel. They've checked you out before they even met you, uh, before they'd consider coming along to your, to your hackathon. There are little things like that that you can send up signal flares that say, I get it, but you have to get it to get it. Which I guess brings us along to the kind of the next barrier or the next the next question for our fantasy fintech. We should come up with a name for it, by the way, because it sounds like there's a you know a vibrant community. It sounds like there's opportunity in the market. It sounds like there's some competition, but it's happening. What about talent? You know, talent is the the lifeblood of, of any fintech. You know, talk to any of the big ones and everyone is looking for that, you know, amazing designer, product person, engineer in order to bring together in a small team to create great stuff. Is there talent? You know, what's the level of talent in, in Amsterdam or the quantity of it? And what's the war for that talent like? Well, I think Amsterdam is a great city to be in. As uh, someone who has lived there for quite some years now, that helps us actually to attract international talent as well as local talent. Uh, many young people have a strong desire, which I can understand, to come live in Amsterdam. So that actually helps us out. And I think what helps uh, Bunk Out specifically is that uh, we are uh, a small group of very dedicated people uh, with a strong conviction of what we're doing and uh, a bunch of crazies who is exceptionally, I think, well in w what we do. Um, and for the very, very good developers or product uh, owners or designers or uh, etc. out there, I think it's a breath of fresh air to be able to work with the best and not having to deal with all the red tape that bigger organizations generally have. Um, so working at Bunk is, is I think, uh, very nice if, if you have high standards. Roland, what about, uh, how do you pitch engineers and designers? Uh, I think by telling a story, by also uh, attracting people, uh, giving them space to help us making that huge transformation. Uh, also people that like having that impact on a large organization of, uh, of ABN AMRO. And at the same time, uh, I think uh, people are also attracted by we're playing that game at large. So uh, basically the story we can tell is uh, when you work in my one of my mobile banking app uh, teams, uh, it's being visited 74 million times a month by clients. That's impact. And uh, the way how you can change how 22% of the population of Holland use that product, that is really uh, inspirational for people. And that's, uh, in that sense, uh, uh, a, a very good story to tell. On the other hand, I think in Amsterdam, there are always too little developers and designers and product owners. So they should all come over here. It's a great city. We agree uh, with, uh, with Ali over here. Uh, we have great parties. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, I think uh, compared to the other stories, uh, we uh, can, uh, with uh, either bookings, ball.coms, uh, we, we can compare ourselves with the challenge we can, uh, can give to people and also in the freedom we can give to people. We set up 
um, a, a digital house in ABNMRO, full uh, wing and location. We got an, uh, the uh, right above the Apple store. We got uh, in the Heers building, we got a penthouse that we completely rebuilt to an, uh, a startup environment. I think we can, people don't have to expect they come on in the, in the boring environments basically which I do agree, they're also still there in the bank, but we can attract the, the right talent by having a partly changed bank. So Frederick, where did your team come from? Yeah, so that's interesting. So I think that um, I've been hearing now about telling the story, and I think I, I, I definitely agree. And I think that part of telling the story is making a great product. Right, so um, at Tiki, we really uh, went to see and discuss with a lot of students on how we should build Tiki, on how in the end it should be simple and easy, easy to use for uh, for students and for a larger group of people. And what actually I, I think that um, now that we really have traction in the Tiki app, um, we see actually that um, that's being recognized by developers, by engineers, because they actually approach us now and want to come to work for us. Which I think is a, is a great way of also showing as a bank that when you have great products that uh, really solve a problem and also at large, so a lot of people use it in the, in the meantime, that's actually being recognized by developers and they, they, yeah, they basically, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say that they come in large masses, but I mean, we see really, uh, we, we send the message there and, uh, and we, and we clearly see really good developers coming to us. And where did the team originally come from? So um, we started out a couple of people. So uh, right, uh, uh, myself, uh, a front end, a back end, and design. And uh, we recruited them uh, uh, partly um, outside the bank, partly within the bank. And we started out. And we built the first version of it, really simple, tested it on a, on a lot of people. And from that, um, obviously, um, when also making integrations toward business uh, purposes, you need to, uh, um, yeah, you need to expand your backend. So you need more backend, uh, backend people who, and who know how to scale stuff. So also complexity, um, increases there. So you need, uh, uh, yeah, you also need a, a bigger, a, a little bit bigger team, but also, uh, the, 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 the demand for, for knowledge and for, uh, um, uh, for, uh, yeah, for good people is there. How much do you rely on the existing infrastructure of ABN for Tiki? Is it something that is, uh, kind of completely, completely separate and talks to ABN occasionally? Is it sort of relying on some of the backend systems and you took some of the people from that area or is it, is it really, uh, like a, a complete separation? So the majority, the big part of it is really separate. So uh, what we use the ABM EMRO system for is to make sure that the payments obviously gets, uh, get done. And that's something that is a, a system that's within that we use the ABN EMRO system for, which is uh, really flexible because it's also used by other bigger companies to, uh, in the same way. Um, and it works really well. So you're really just um, using the payments that, engine. A, other than that, it's a separate, uh, it's a separate uh, thing. Yeah, that's quite interesting. So you are using it in the same way, uh, potentially a startup would in PSD two land. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. quite interesting that you create entirely new digital real estate. Uh, that is something that I think a lot of large organizations have really struggled to wrestle with. They always kind of end up with, oh well, I've got this supplier over here, and we should use that, and we've kind of got this compliance guy over here, and you should use, and we've got these people, and it becomes really difficult to to separate those two. It's interesting that you. You've kind and of I think two of the products uh, we created, like uh, both Dicky and uh, the Grip, the Personal Finance Management uh, app. Um, from uh, uh, ID to implementation, both in 100 days. 
Ali, talk to me about where you see the future of both the fintech market in the Netherlands, but also the future of Bank. What are your ambitions for both? The fintech market in the Netherlands, uh, I don't know because it's a huge market. It's hard to say anything specific about such a diverse market. But I guess to, to say something about banks, I see change coming. Um, I don't know when precisely, but I'm quite sure it will be a, a huge shift in paradigm uh, somewhere in the next couple of years. And um, many things will change. Uh, many existing banks will change, which is good. As for Bank, we're very ambitious. Again, we try to achieve the impossible. So we see the Netherlands just as a stepping stone. And behind the scenes, we're already working on a lot of great new stuff, which I'll tell you about someday soon. <laughs> excellent, excellent. And how about you guys? What's the future of Tiki look like? And what does the future of building apps outside of the mothership look like? Uh, not only represent ABNEMO, uh, but we also have our full digital dollar money. Uh, within uh, the Netherlands, which have, uh, or not only within the Netherlands, but also within uh, Germany and Austria, which have a clear vision also to roll out bigger in the uh, northwestern uh, part of uh, Europe uh, in the growth strategy of, uh, of ABN AMRO. Um, so I think on all aspects, you will see also grow uh, in that, uh, that area. So I guess I've got, I've got the, the question that uh, strikes fear into the heart of every fintech, the regulator. How does the regulator view innovation, both with you launching a, a separate sort of sub-brand with Tiki that obviously affects your banking license, and indeed creating a new bank? Who wants to go first? Yeah, maybe I, I can address that because uh, it's, a, it's a regulated business. So uh, with all startups and all uh, in all, all, all kind of other industries, I think you have a little bit more freedom and not without any reason, we are regulated uh, business uh, in the financial industry. But also the Dutch regulators like uh, the uh, AFM, uh, Dutch Central Bank, they have set up their own sandboxes uh, and they are rather open also to have clear dialogue together because they have no single interest uh, in the world to um, push innovation down. They also want innovation. They want a better climate in the Netherlands. And of course, they have an important role to uh, regulate. But uh, I think we are in proper dialogue with those uh, those parties. But of course, uh, since it's an, an regulated business, we have uh, the proper talks with our legal parties, with our compliance parties, uh, before we launch uh, products and services. Hmm. Frederick, what's your been, been your experience with Tiki? Yeah, so uh, definitely we have, like Roland is saying, uh, um, we have uh, within the bank, we uh, have definitely those um, legal talks and compliance talks. And, and Tiki is, um, um, is part of that and is also, um, we wanted to make sure that it is a level security that we have there, right? So it's, it's, uh, Tiki is part of ABN AMRO. So you should, as a, as a consumer, you should expect that, um, it is a level security and nothing, uh, goes wrong, uh, for example, on the first day of your, uh, when you launch uh, a product. So, um, that's really, that's really an important thing that we wanted to make, uh, make sure. Um, and sometimes, I mean, it is like Ronald was saying, it's, it's a regulated market. And, and sometimes that's, yeah, I mean, I also would have to say it, it kind of, it eats a little bit like, hey, can we not go any faster? Because, I mean, let's go, guys. Um, 
And uh, yeah, obviously, I have my I have moments where I'm I'm frustrated uh, by that. But then again, I see the the, the, the uh, a part of it at least the necessity of of being it a, a regulated uh, market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that the combination of being kind of a startup within large uh, corporate uh, sometimes um, uh, is a little bit uh, difficult. Uh, and on the other side, uh, it brings a lot of value and power to launching your products. You basically can kickstart a lot of things faster. So it has both benefits and it has some downsides, just like everything in life. So Ali, developing a new product, a new digital service in a regulated environment, how does compliance and regulation figure into your product development process? Well, the way we see it is that regulation is put in place to enforce the proper treatment of end users and to guard their best interests. As a tech company, we have that in our very culture. So I don't think we need separate divisions, although we have because we are regulated and because the past has proven that uh, they were necessary with other companies. But we have a very simple paradigm. I mean, you have to uh, be able to look your mother in the eyes and tell her that this product is good and that she should use it and she should deposit her life savings on it and she should, you know, invite her neighbor to use it. And as long as you can do that, you're probably doing well. Well, on that, I'd like to thank uh, Roland, Frederick, Ali. It's been great to learn a bit, bit more about Amsterdam. So before we leave, where can people learn more about what you're doing and sign up to your great products? www.bank.com or download the app through the App Store and enjoy. Yeah, www.tiki.me or definitely go into the App Store or in the Play Store and find the Tiki app. It's high in the charts. Yeah, and for all other ABN Amro products, you can find us on www.abnamro.nl or in the App Store with our mobile banking app, our Grip app, our wallet app, and other great apps we have in our full own ecosystem. Great. Well, guys, thanks again for taking the time to talk to us. Thanks for having us.